This is Comatose, a collection of stories, anecdotes, observations, and sometimes, like today, special interviews with fascinating humans. Want to listen to more episodes? You'll find them all at comapod.com. He's a person of many talents. Some would even say maybe all of them. John Bauer, Comatose's senior producer and editor-at-large and novelist, took some time to sit and speak with us about his new novel, Besnowed. We asked John to speak a little bit about the truth behind the characters, the fiction of the world he'd created, the inspiration for his story, Besnowed. It's a story. It's my story. It's meant to be this kind of exploration of what I think, what people in general think of winter holidays, this kind of the warmth of the season. It's kind of common human elements to celebrating whatever they want to celebrate. And the gathering of families, the feasts, the meals, the food, the music, the mood, all of that. I wanted something that captured all these emotions in a way that was familiar, but also strange. I wanted it to be foreign, but close to the heart. And that was kind of what the snowed or at least the ideas behind this note were. Now what this note is, is a novel that I describe as a nostalgic story filled with the warmth of winter. A family love story about the main character, Swefin, who goes home to spend the holidays with his family for the first time in a long time and experience everything that is the holiday with everyone he loves. If you ask me 10 times, you'll have 10 different answers for what this note is. If there's one thing that ties it all back to the same story, it would be um, the initial inspiration, right? How this note started the story, why I originally, how I originally got the idea, was from wanting to combine the experiences of what I thought of as an idyllic Christmas and an idyllic uh, spring festival or Chinese New Year and where this comes from is because I grew up in many different places within the United States in Washington State in the countryside not in Seattle in Virginia and in Florida so I had a wide range of Christmas being cold and with snow to Christmas being absolutely no snow at all and dealing with this idea of how do you translate what Christmas is supposed to be with what Christmas is for me. That's a common element in many different cultures where maybe the tradition that they have of what something should be is not what they actually experience. And then, later in life, with my girlfriend and then fiancé and soon-to-be wife, I experienced Chinese New Year, uh, at least how they do it in northern China, and the similarities therein with this kind of the warmth of surviving winter and bringing in a new year which is very similar to not only christmas but many holidays throughout the year and it might not necessarily be a winter holiday but those feelings are the same or similar enough for me to want to write this story for a story meant to evoke the past or the feeling of it at least we asked how he'd define nostalgia I think rather than expectation versus reality, what I would describe it as how you remember things versus 
how they actually are. So the nostalgia of a thing versus the actuality. And you could have that in a way where uh, with Christmas for the very American, the Western Anglo-centric, USA-centric version of this, Christmas is all about snow falling softly, right? So everything, this very Northern European idea with music from the US from about the 1950s, and none of it relates to people today. But somehow it still evokes strong emotions. And so if someone wants this to enhance their holiday experience, then I think that is the right choice. If someone finds themselves in the middle of summer, uh, in the blinding heat, and cools off a, a snowy village, I think that's great too. My goal was to make this as universal as possible. Wow using my personal experiences as the vector for the experiences, right? So most of the characters are thinly veiled people in my life. And they're not meant to be hidden, but they're meant to be accessible as characters that aren't 100% the person that they may or may not represent, but also who they could represent for anyone reading the story. Being hopeful that anyone has read my story uh, the funniest the funniest reaction was definitely from my little sister, where she said that it felt like it was too real and it made her uncomfortable because it felt too similar to holidays. But I'm not against that kind of thing. I think a part of the holidays is definitely the confrontations, the arguments that come from people gathering who might not have seen each other for a long time. But it definitely shouldn't be the focus point. The full story is not so much about just making people feel uncomfortable. It's about overcoming those difficulties to learn to love each other. And I would say, because for me, it doesn't necessarily have to feel good in the kind of classic way. It has to feel good in a way that a family, through whatever holiday they are celebrating, can learn to overcome their petty differences and appreciate the fact that they are together. Love, relationships, celebrations, family is more often than not built from our experiences together than it is something that has always been there. Besnowed follows the character Swefin returning back to their hometown. There are also other peculiar names in John's story, like Frithlick, Lumi, Rhodiola, We wondered John's take on these. Was it weird for the sake of weird, the way that some names are in fantasy novels, or was it something more? I don't think it's a weird name. I don't think, well, I don't think it's any weirder than any other name. I think names in general, I think the difference between a name and a word is what is interesting and not the the weirdness of a name in and of itself. In the same way that, so my name is John, John Bauer, and John comes from Hebrew, something to do with Yahweh, probably the glory with God, and Bauer is something that comes from German and means something like peasant farmer. But when you hear my name, you do not think of the meaning of my name, you just think of me as a person. So I think the person is more important than the name or what it sounds like. And I think highlighting that by having names that may be strange for an Anglo audience is... Uh, a good thing to do. 
that extends to the name of the the name of the book itself with the snowed which some people might find strange but i think that it's it evokes the same kind of strange the same kind of sense of nostalgia because it feels vaguely old like something that people would say maybe 300 years ago and it's still understandable but it's something no one would use today if we're talking about weird names where people read shakespeare today and have trouble understanding how to conjugate thou but does that make it any does that make it weird or does that make it nostalgic does that make it archaic i think it makes it all three and i don't think that makes it bad The basis of Besnode is that sense of nostalgia. We wanted John to delve a little deeper into that. How do our memories play into holidays? The mood, the meals, even the music. I don't know if this is controversial, but it's something that people don't talk about very often. But holidays, tradition, how we celebrate anything, in a way, is a reflection of nostalgia. It is us looking back to how we wish things were or how we think the best version of something was and celebrating it. And that may include wishes for the future to be better, but usually that wish for the future includes in a, a nostalgic idea of what we think the best version of the past was. And I think that plays strongly into every holiday and tradition and the meals, and the music, and the mood. And for each one of those, for the meals, right, for traditional meals, these meals had to come from somewhere, right? Usually we can even discern the family line and describe that this particular dish comes from which grandmother or another, and say that they used whatever specific spice or meat for whatever reason. Uh, but that's nostalgia, in other words. It's your family. For me, in the holidays, the winter holidays, so Christmas, as a very Anglo-American point of view, uh, I would associate a turkey or a ham as like the main Christmas dish, right? And then for the music, it'd be something like Let It Snow or um, Jingle Bells even. These songs that everyone in the world knows at this point that are all from before I was born, from generations before I was born sometimes but they evoke the same emotion. People write for any number of reasons. It can be work, hobby, even a compulsion. We asked John what it means to be a writer. Being a writer is a loaded question, I think, because people have these expectations of these kind of words, right? They don't mean... What does it mean to be a writer? What they're asking is, what does it mean to be a legitimate writer? What does it mean to be a professional writer? Anyone who writes is a writer. And the difference between the two is nothing. But yet we build up these huge walls to differentiate who is actually a real writer and who is a fake one. And I learned this difference when I tried to make other people write and learned that not everyone is comfortable writing or sharing their stories. And I strongly believe everyone has a story that is not only interesting, but worth sharing. It's where I kind of came up with something close to a definition of a writer being just 
expressing yourself, no matter the medium, even if we would wish it to mean some kind of legitimate publishing platform. Or where I learned to write really was through comatose. Before that, I'd always seen writing as this kind of, not something that you could do as a career or a profession or even a hobby, right? It was just a thing that existed. But once I started actually producing content and publishing stuff, I learned that not only is this a thing that people care for, but it's a thing that people want. And so that drove me to not only pursue the idea, but to help others and to find out how I could write things for other people, which then became the majority of my career. Besnowed is set on Earth, as far as we can tell, but the time, the actual places, all are much less clear. We wanted John to give us more an idea of the setting of his story and the significance of the special trees. People have already started asking me this on Twitter, actually, and it's something that I leave somewhat of a mystery because I, I don't like this being specific because I want it to be a holiday that is seen or at least appreciated as universal. And I wanted the setting I had in mind, at least, to be something of a twist. So if you don't want it to be spoiled, you can stop listening now. But the idea is that rather than being a winter holiday in the north, this is way in the south, in Antarctica, during their summer. So it's still very cold, there's ice and snow everywhere, but there's light, because if it was winter there'd be no light. And I think it's a really unique way to not only turn the idea of what it means to be a winter holiday on its head, but just kind of gain a new perspective on our stereotypes and our expectations for uh, those traditions. Because if it was winter, it would be it would be dark all day. That's part of the, that's part of the twist, right? And I had to be very careful in how I worded things because. Uh, you know, it's very clearly playing on winter tropes and our idea of what a winter holiday is, but that only works for the Northern Hemisphere. But the Northern Hemisphere isn't the entire world. I would say there's only one unique tree. The rest of the trees are meant to be more or less normal. The uniqueness is that there are trees. Because uh, Antarctica is a desert. And there shouldn't be trees because there's not enough water, there's no soil, there's permafrost. And the idea is that of the unique tree, what I call the first tree in this religion I created in the holiday that it celebrated, was the first attempt in the village to have a tree that could survive their climate and their soil. And it was only partially successful, but it became a monument of their prestige and their success and the ability of people who lived there to continue living there which is an important thing. <laughs> the trees otherwise just represent the success, the fact that the humans who lived there were able to transform the terrain into something that is not only habitable, but profitable. I guess this goes back to the writer question, where this is actually 
the third full-length novel I've written. And in subtle ways, you could say it's connected to the other stories. So this is a near-future fiction in some ways, and I may have written other near-future fictions that take some of these ideas of terraforming and applied them to near-Earth objects, let's say. John's mentioned previously how Besnowed is made with the support of BuildSpace, which is new to many of us. To round out our talk with John, we asked him to give us the bird's eye of BuildSpace, but also what he's valued about the venture. BuildSpace was a thing that Bashir from Comatose actually tipped me off to. He sent me the link to this project where they are supporting everyone who has some random idea and they would be willing to help you develop it. And I thought it was complete bullshit, but you know, all I had to do was fill out an internet forum, so what is there to lose? And I got into it, and I started attending the meetings after I was accepted. And I learned that it was not only kind of this cool, motivating ambiance or place to be, it was a it was really my ideal version of school, right? Because in school, you at least for me, I also I was often the person that was seen as lost potential. That was a word that was often used in reference to myself. Someone who could be doing so much more if only he applied himself. In build space really speaks to that kind of mindset, right? Where we're not gonna force you to do this thing, but if you're willing to apply yourself, you can do great things. And so I thought that was pretty cool. That was how I wish school had been. And uh, once I got into it, I was gonna go for it. You were free to do what you actually want to do. With And you it wasn't just you were free to do what you want to do, you were supported to do what you want to do. You get what you put into it. You can find more of John Bauer and his musings at johnbauer.substack.com. Follow him on Twitter at Mobius Coffee. Music for the episode is from Zarato. Their music is also supported by Build Space and is part of their Nights and Weekends project. For more, find them on Twitter at Zarato, Z-A-A-R-A-T-O, or bento.me slash Zarato. Other musical contributions from Nayo, find them on TikTok at Nayo Kenza, and on YouTube and Instagram at Avec Nayo, that's A-V-E-C-N-A-Y-O. For more of Comatose Podcast, find them wherever you get podcasts or directly at comapod.com. Links to everything from today's episode can be found in the notes for the show. Until next time, this is Comatose.